In this episode of The Full Nerd, ATX 12V Zero, Fallout 76 Radeon Edition, and Adam Confesses. Welcome to the Full Nerd. Wasn't looking at that. Full Nerd, episode 123. I'm your host, Gordon Young, with co-host Brad Charkas. Hello, Internet. On my left, Lainey Yee. Hey, everyone. And Adam Patrick Murray with the a buffering-sized headache. <laughs> yes. the vertical and horizontal. Big headache. Uh, also, I want to do a quick uh, bit of house cleaning. Uh, we we haven't been uh, posting too many videos on YouTube. Uh, it's been kind of dead after CES. That's because we're dealing with a lot of stuff behind the scenes. We're, we're actually going to be... Uh, kind of gutting the the set pretty soon, and then we've got construction. We've been organizing a bunch of equipment. I mean, it's it's been madness uh, around here. So sorry for the the lack of content, but uh, you know wow. the the show the the full nerd must go on. Also, somebody asked me this morning. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was. Uh, I'm gonna look right through here real quick. Oh, uh, can't find my teeth. I uh, was asking about shirts. Uh, and yes, that's still that is still yeah, on our we plate. Still have, we we have, have more to give away. Uh, I also may have some cases, yeah. to put into the mix for giveaways. Yeah, as well. which actually the the giveaway winner from last year. I still I have the box literally right there. Uh, Ziv, I still have a shirt. We still have other shirts to give away mm-hmm. too. Uh, sorry, we're just, uh, life has been overwhelming in 2020, yep. but we'll get there. So, uh, random aside. Yes. Speaking of shirts. So Brad Gordon and I seem to have gotten some kind of memo here with our colors. What what happened, Adam? You're like full color. I know. Well, you know, like so many people complain yeah. about me buttoning my top button, you know, so I just, I just had to wear a, uh, a t-shirt for today's episode. Uh, you know, I understand the top button thing sometimes. I mean, I think you should add a bow tie just yeah. on purpose. I should go. just start doing that. Yeah, no, people definitely but wouldn't get mad about like that. Putting it like below <laughs> the spot you were supposed to put it, just to throw them off even more. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you know what's <laughs> really throwing people off? Ooh. Is this new ATX specs, right, Gordon? It is actually. So I'm gonna it's I'm gonna begun. go back. And proper credit. I first saw this on KickGuru, uh, KickGuru.net. If you ever heard of it, cool site. Um, Leo's a good guy. Leo's a good guy, and he, of course, referenced it actually to Custom PC Magazine, a print magazine, um, I think out of the UK. It's been around for a while. It's a great mag, too. But they basically came across uh, the ATX-12VO spec that Intel has put out. It's the 12-volt um, only, so it's 12VO, not zero. <laughs> I mean, that to me, it's like it looks like it could be a zero, so that will confuse people. It is a single-rail power Supply desktop platform form factors ATX 12 VO. I saw that name and I'm like, where does VO come from? Not even thinking it's just straight up 12 volts only. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's funny. And it was actually first uh, published, uh, we're up to Rev 1, and they said it was uh, published in July of 2019. So it's been out for a little bit, but people haven't stumbled on it. Um, Custom PC and Kikuru got it right. A couple other sites also got it right, but I wanted to bring this up. Even though I don't have all the all the information on it, because I've already seen it start to go sideways, where people are somehow saying this is going to replace our current ATX 12E power supplies that we're all used to, and it isn't. It isn't, folks. This is basically a new optional power supply uh, design guide for uh, the OEMs and SIs, basically people selling machines that are already pre-built with this. Um, obviously, the big thing is it's 12 volt only. 
So 3.3 volts, uh, 5 volt goes away. Traditionally, you have, of course, we have those coming off of our power supplies today for your SATA drives and all that kind of stuff. That will go away. A couple of other things go away, like negative uh, 12V and then, you know, uh, some of the standby stuff changes. But the big thing is it's all 12 volt. It is for system integrators, and it is only for OEMs. I have a lot of questions out to board makers, power supply makers, sort of on their feelings. But, you know, we're going to talk about it because we had nothing else to talk about. So I have some really good questions. <laughs> Not really, because uh, it's, it's true. It is a little quiet. It's very interesting because 3.3 volts and 5 volts goes away. And, of course, people are like, oh, my God, how am I going to power my SATA drive, right? Or how am I going to power this off 3.3 volts? What they're doing is they're saying, look, uh, the power supply will only single rail will generate, you know, X amount of power to the motherboard. The motherboard itself will then step it down to 3.3 volts and 5 volts. So today, in the machines that we all have, or even a, a pre-built machine, you plug your SATA you know, optical drive into the power supply. Going forward, if you get an OEM machine with an optical drive, it will plug into the motherboard. So what are, what do they envision for this? Like, What kind of designs are they hoping to enable from this? Is well, this- go, ahead. go ahead and ask. It seems to me like this is like super specialized. It makes me think of like sis- tiny systems like uh, the Ghost Canyon stuff you guys saw. Yeah, in fact, the Ghost Canyon had a ten pin connector. Yeah. I wasn't. I had not seen the spec. I didn't pay attention to it. So I think, and I am asking, of course, also Intel's like, hey, this probably is the twelve, you know, twelve vo only connector. I haven't heard back yet, but I am going to assume it is for the Nook. Uh, are you sure though? Because they were saying that you could use a standard power supply. Well, you for, could not for the Ghost Canyon Nook, but you could for the uh, CyberPower one. Yeah, because what they're what I think what they're doing is to just simply say you have an SFX power supply. Let's just not run, um, you know, three three all the things that you don't really use anymore five volt three three. Oh, I see all that stuff. So you so combine you only it. one cable. Yeah. So the thing is, for the twelve volt only, there is a new ten pin main power connector. Right now, we have twenty four pin. Originally, it used to be. 20 pins, they added more to it. This is like, hey, looking like all this legacy power you just don't need anymore. We're going to go to a single 10 pin. Also, what's kind of interesting, if I'm reading the spec correctly, you know, engineers sometimes don't really spell it out for uh, normal humans, but you, the ATX12E, EPS12E, you know, your 4 plus 4, whatever, the, the dual powers that you, you, the plugs you plug in near the CPU, those are sort of optional. So if you if you have a motherboard or a system that can completely run off that ten pin power connector, you don't have to to put in those other connectors. So ideally, so to me, good. So to me, it sounds like this is for like super tight, compact, small form factor PCs that like are running like an NVMe drive or something like that. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is for small form factor, um, but I think they're basically. I, I, but not just small form factor. It almost seems like to run off a single like that, you would also need it to be a low TDP, low TDP CPU. Well, it will. So it it's a uh, it'll handle up to 165 watt TDP part. No. Oh. So I mean, beefy. So Core i nine basically, right? Um, although you know it's those PL not overclocked, not over, not heavy overclocking, and 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 they're very clear that look, this and this is the reason why it, it, it people need to understand this does not replace ATX 12V. Your multi-rail, single-rail, big, giant, 1,500-watt, you know, 1,000-watt power spots that we've all known and love in the DIY community, that stays there. You want to do your heavy-duty overclocking, you really actually need all that power going to the CPU separately, that stays there. 
This is for Dell, HP, Lenovo, possibly, you know, smaller white box companies if they really want to buy into it. If they want to build a more compact box, more modern machine, actually, to be honest, very modern machine, because you really don't need 3.3 and 5 volts coming off the power supply, I think. Yeah, a rumor two is asking, is this just for OEMs only? Well, see, that's what's not... Yeah, that's what it's intended for, which... Um, BTX originally, I don't, I don't hate to bring that one up, but <laughs> BTX originally was sort of like, yeah, we're going to throw OEMs are the only ones that adapted it. They don't, I don't think they expect consumers, DIY kind of boutique folks to adapt this. This is adopt this. This, this is just simply for OEMs building, you know, your sort of low leader boxes that are tinier or even, a, even, even a smaller tower they could even do. Cause, um, I will say though, that doesn't mean, it couldn't one day replace ATX 12V because there's um, a lot of things that just don't you just don't make a lot of sense because you have a thousand watt power supply, 200 watts of it may be generating 3.3 volt and 5 volt power. Who the hell's hell do you really need 200 watts of that to drive? Who's running you know 10 SATA drives or who's where do you exactly are you running this 3.3 and 5 volts to? So it's sort of, you take that out of the power supply, they don't no longer have to generate that. They take components out of it. They take connectors out of it. The connector is smaller. 10 pins means 10 wires, not 24 wires. So it's easier to, to flex. Mm. I mean, it can be easier to build with. There's really a lot of upsides to getting rid of it. Um, but again, the idea is they're not saying no longer will you get 3.3 three and 5 volts in a system. You just won't get out of the power supply. Most of the motherboards, I think, I am asking motherboard vendors where most of it's generated. But I imagine, like, look, we, you know, when we're the power for the memory, we're not going to we're not going to plug that into the power supply. We're we're that's coming off the motherboard VRMs because we need super tight tolerance. My theory, we need super tight tolerance. We need super control over that memory, so we're generating that. So, and then really realistically, you might run two hard drives, maybe a couple SATA drives. You don't need. 200 watts for that so a lot of it's already generated on the motherboard anyway so move that out move that out of the power supply make it smaller make the the wire smaller make the connector smaller but then don't you just have to run power pins from the motherboard to your hard drive yeah yeah and you know you're still using the same amount of power connectors practically it's just coming through your motherboard instead yeah so it wouldn't come off the power supply so you would get say a small you know, Dell, HP, Lenovo, you know, those little boxes you see. Mm-hmm. And you might get um, two SATA power connectors coming off of the motherboard. Mm, what would that do for cable management? Well, it might be better because hopefully you're not sticking the cables all the way down in the lower left corner. It's going to be up where the drives are. Remember, yep. I know people like to hate on, you know, big OEMs, but there's a lot of engineering that goes into those boxes to minimize use of materials. So it'll be very conveniently put in that system. Mm. So I think actually it could be pretty cool to get like way tinier form factors than we have now. Like if you're making like a Ryzen APU based PC just in a tiny, tiny little box, this sounds like it could save a lot of space actually. Yeah. And you know, it's it, again, this is not really clear in the spec because they say like, hey, ATX 12V is untouched. We're not even going to run anything on here. But it's, they they have requirements for if you're going to do uh, a CFX and LFX power supplies. People probably never see those. They're usually in commercial boxes. Those weird L-shaped power supplies. You know, kind of kind of wacky looking. So it does seem like it is mostly aimed at making it easier and cheaper to build. You know, smaller boxes. Uh, the other thing though that's interesting is it is wacky. They have some. And I do want to ask you what you think of this because they have this option 
So old school Molex, you know, those old ancient, ancient Molex pins from hard drives, from parallel ATA drives from, you know, 15, oh. 20 years ago. That is still supported, but they're only giving you 12 volts. Um, in traditional Molex power supplies, you get 3.3, three, you get 5 volts off of the power supply if you even had it anymore. So I think that could be, I, I personally think that can be problematic because now if you, if you are, you know, your average Joe citizen, Jane citizen, you get your HP Dell box, you, you take this ancient PATA hard drive and you plug it in, you try to power it up. There's no 3.3, there's no 5 volts. It's probably not even going to really run because most of the controller boards are run off of 3.3 and 5 volts. So, My guess is if this is made for OEMs and system integrators, then they're going to be pretty small boxes that aren't going to have room for extra drives anyway, especially older drives like that. Yeah. So that's my gut feeling on that. I don't think it that would be a big concern. I can't even remember the last time I touched a Molex connector, to be honest. Yeah, actually, the, it's uh, and Jesus uh, in chat says, why, why keep Molex if it's not going to have all the voltage anyway? Yeah, that to me is a little, I think, maybe for case lights. Yeah, there's some accessories that still use Molex. Yeah. And it's interesting because like, I was thinking, well, where do most, I guess most of your case LEDs are powered off Molex. Right, twelve. But the wacky thing is, some of the LED strips are also. They, there's no standard. Some are twelve volts. Some are five volts. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the motherboard. Like and of everything course, else RGB. It's not standardized. Yeah, and again, again, the motherboard generates the most of that power for the LEDs. I'm going to guess, and that's one thing that will change my mind on this. Is if the motherboard makers come back and say, "Oh, actually, no, we were just passing through three, three, and five volts for say LED power and other things." And then they're going to say, well, now we have to add all this extra complexity and cost to the motherboard. You know, that's one possible negative. Um, yeah, but- so it sounds like this needs a lot of buy-in by motherboard makers and system integrators to push those motherboard makers to do it. Yeah, and I think that's why, you know, Intel is pushing this as an OEM-only kind of thing. Because it's like, yeah. if you're Dell and you're making 5 million of these, you have no problems. You have a custom board made. You actually save money in the end. You know, end of day. The DIYers, really small companies, probably never going to touch the standard for many, many years until we are done with our legacy hardware, and who knows how long that's going to be. Hmm. Uh, oh, the other I'd one. I'd love to see it. Well, re- real quick, uh, VC Jester gave uh, $2 uh, in Super Chat. Thank you. Really appreciate it. But uh, he called me Tech Bieber and said I'm looking short for the day, and I don't appreciate that, so money refunded. Not <laughs> enough tattoos. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the b has really kind of gone overboard with the mm-hmm. tattoos. Uh, the one other thing it does change is it does enable, I think, uh, S0 low power, lower power standby. is Microsoft's modern standby, which... I have not seen, and I don't think it's possible to do that. And somebody they know they can correct me. I don't think that's possible to do that in traditional ATX power supplies. I think the the standby modes aren't supported. Um, so it's it's one of those things that will enable that. And you know, for if you don't know modern standby, if I have this right, basically it's a the machine is in a standby state, but it can wake up to install updates and, and other things. So, in fact, it could possibly sometimes use more power than an S3. S3, of course, is where you take everything in your system, you go to sleep, it dumps it into memory or it goes into hibernation mode. That's a, another step lower. And then when you try to wake it up, you tap the mouse, you know, five seconds later, the thing wakes up because now it has to wake up, get everything out, load it all back in, put it in place. 
Uh, S0 is uh, low power, will consume low power, but wake up more like your phone. I sort of think of it as more as a phone standby, where you're not sort of cranking there, eating all kinds of power, but you're getting all kinds of updates. Connected standby is the other thing that is kind of commonly thrown around with it. And, and I think this new spec will enable that, which I've not seen in a traditional ATX-12V. I'm, I'm not sure why that is, but it's possible that the spec is 25 years old, so it just may not support it. Yep. So, yeah. So, but basically the big takeaway is if you're going to go post immediately saying, I don't need this, I'll never give it up. Don't, you don't have to. It's not intended to replace ATX 12V. I just want to make sure people know that. We're adding to the family. We're adding exactly. to the family. And I do think it, I, yeah, right now it's not a threat to ATX 12V. I, but I do think, as I've said many times before, ATX itself really needs to be rethought. We're holding on to stuff. For, we're holding on to standards built for something that we haven't used for 20 years for some things. And it, but Gordon, moved. I thought you said the beauty of the PC is that we don't throw anyone overboard. Yeah, we don't, which is the problem <laughs> where you have a ship with like 50,000 people on the ship and it's going three knots. And you're like, look, if we could get rid of the, you know, some of these bodies, we could just like, no, we got to get them back, give them a proper... You're just okay, like, everybody, the warning, ship is just going do there. Not take, do not go on a cruise with Corden. <laughs> if something no, happens, but, you're going to get thrown overboard. We don't oh, throw well, people yeah. over on the... But that is, that is no, the he's definitely going to throw somebody That over. is the beauty of the PC is we respect legacy, but at some point you recognize the drag that legacy is, and it makes things very hard that, to do, you know? That being said, I'm glad that this isn't replacing it. And it's an option. I'm always for more options. I love having more options. Like some PC enthusiasts crap on tablets. I don't crap on tablets. They're better for some people than PCs. It's good to have options. And this looks like it'll f- potentially fill a niche that isn't being filled right now. So Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good, good with that, to too. I, agree with that. <laughs> I totally agree with that, Brad. Consoles are fine for some people. Uh, <laughs> oh, there it goes. We didn't even bring it up. No, but it's the same thing. Consoles, phones, tablets are fine. But don't get in my grill about it. You want to get in my grill? I'm I'm going to yell back at you about how dumb you are. That's the problem. All right? I don't feel like the only person yelling about it on the show is typically you. I'm just yeah. put that That's because, uh, because I, I see these these stories from the press. I don't know how the PC's dead. Next-gen consoles um, are here. PC's dead. Uh, well, you know what's not dead is the RX fifty six hundred XT, right? It just it just bias, got yeah, it just got things. wounded at the knee. Uh, yeah, what and I took an arrow that? to the yeah. knee. <laughs> so what? I have not what what happened, Brad? Oh, it's. Well, I think we spoke about it for about an hour and a half on the last <laughs> episode, trying to untangle it. Yeah, did you listen to so, uh, last week's episode, Gordon? Yeah, I mean, thought you. I mean, you tune out. You tune out. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> right? Wow! Dang, throwing us under the bus. I, I, uh, I have other. So I'm not going to go that deep into it again. <laughs> but just to rehash, uh, real quick. Basically, the Radeon RX 5600 XT. At the very last second, like towards the end of reviewers having hardware and doing reviews, I had already tested mine with the original BIOS. Uh, because NVIDIA dropped some RTX 2060s at 300 bucks. Yeah. Uh, AMD relas- released a last second BIOS for some of the cards that drastically enhanced performance by a little bit more than 10%. So it puts on the 2060s level rather than just being an all right 1660 Ti competitor. Uh, it was a mess because it was last second. It was unclear which cards would be getting this. Yeah. And the fact that 
most of the first wave of stock on store shelves is going to have the older, slower BIOS. Even if a new BIOS is available, you'd have to go update your card's BIOS yourself to get the faster performance. So that's the TLDR from last week. We weren't 100% sure how it would shake out. This week, we have a little bit more clarity, so I thought it would be good just to you know go over it a little bit again. Uh, and basically, my worst fears are true. They came to be. Uh, not every card is going to be getting this V-BIOS. And that makes a huge difference. Wow. What's uh, the reason for it? Um, basically, MSI actually did a long live stream mm-hmm. that I watched that was, was very illuminating on the subject. Uh, MSI said, one, you know, AMD, these are theoretically... The, the Let me backtrack for a second here. So the new VBIOS gives you much faster GPU clocks, but a lot of the performance increase comes from the memory speed, actually, because for the reference spec, it's rated for 12 gigabits per second memory, but some of the new VBIOS is bumped that up to 14 gigabits per second. And that gives you the vast majority of the performance increase from what I saw with my Sapphire model. Uh, but MSI said all of the memory that AMD sent to them with the GPUs uh, theoretically could be 14 GBPS, but was only validated for 12 gigabits per second. Hmm. So we're seeing bigger companies like MSI and ASUS not overclocking the memory to the extent that we saw in the Sapphire card that we reviewed hmm. uh, due to reliability concerns. So most there some of them them are releasing new faster card models to include this whole VBIOS, but a bunch of the ones that we saw on day one, they might get the faster GPU speeds, but the bigger companies aren't gonna be speeding up the memory because they weren't validated for the higher speeds. The board designs were designed around the slower speeds, so they might have, you know, lacking VRMs or whatever. Uh it's just a big cascade of stuff. Uh and so that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I it's watched, a mess. It's I, a mess. I did an article actually in called "Some Radeon RX 5600 Graphics Cards Are Much Faster Than Others," and if you're interested in diving deep into it, it wound up being close to two thousand words because it's very freaking complicated. Uh, you can Google it on PC World. Yeah, I, Brad, I saw that link because you had shared it with us, and I watched part of it. I didn't get through all of it, and just it's so complicated. Like they're going through their their stack of cards, and they're saying this one gets this, but not this. This one gets this, but not this. This one gets this and this. It, it's phew, I don't I don't want to be part of a first generation like this if I was a buyer right now. It's crazy. Uh, you could tell watching that video, I think that was product managers for MSI, and you could tell as they were trying to explain it that they had some underlying frustrations going on there themselves. Uh, and if you do buy one of these models, uh, actually, if you have one that has a VBIOS update, the methods you use to install them vary drastically from company to company. Like MSI does it through its Dragon Center software. Uh, some other ones you got to use ATI Flash to manually do it. Uh, some of them just have batch installers that should theoretically do it for you, but it's it's just a big, complicated mess. So just to quickly touch back on what we talked about last week, we still recommend the Sapphire Pulse that we reviewed because it does get the faster GPU clocks and the faster memory speed that puts it up to par with the 2060. Uh, and most of the North American stock should have the 
faster V-Bios installed on day one. They managed to get most of the North American stock all set. So I would recommend getting that Sapphire pull still, uh, but it's kind of a crapshoot with every other card out there. So mm. if you're interested in the 5600 XT, shop smart. A um, couple quick things. Uh, EIK44 gave us 45 DKK Danish crones. Uh, thank wow, you so cool. much. Uh, and to the last point, says uh, Molex. He uses Molex for his pump, uh, not in need for a set of jump. Uh, and anyway, the uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, and then, crap, what was the the other one? Oh, uh, Getasu was asking about the, the heat when you update to the new BIOS. Um, It did make a big difference uh, with the Sapphire Pulse that we tested. Uh, as far as actual temperatures, it went from like 65 or 67 degrees Celsius under load with the original slower BIOS to 72 with the new one, uh, which is still plenty chilly. And the Sapphire Pulse cooler in particular is, even with the faster speeds, uh, very, very quiet. So it does make a difference, but not a practical difference in that particular card. And with everything being so screwy with this launch, we can only speak to this particular card's capabilities. Usually we're able to say, hey, you know, all RTX 2060s are okay, but with this launch being so drastically different from model to model, Sapphire Pulse looks good. I don't know if you guys got into this last week, but does this sounds like the normal maneuvering that they're trying to jujitsu each other out of position here. It actually sort of bit AMD more than it bit uh, NVIDIA this time. Yeah, we did get into it a little bit last week. Uh, I was especially disappointed. One, because you should never ask consumers to update their graphics card BIOS because it's pretty straightforward, but there is the potential for catastrophe. Uh, and it's still not 100% clear who would be responsible if your card gets bricked while you're trying to update your vBIOS 1. Uh, really? And 2, it just made it so much more confusing and complicated. Like, if, the, if AMD had planned around this and saw that NVIDIA was likely to drop the price on the 2060, super or 2060, uh, they could have just had these vBIOSes in place a week earlier, and... You know, we wouldn't have all this confusion. Life would be good, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just a mess right now. They really, really blundered the launch, which stinks because if it wasn't so confusing, it would probably be our pick for the best 1080p graphics card. Yeah. But we can't just make that recommendation because it's such a crapshoot on what you buy in store shelves. Does it feel like there needs to be a clear delineation from the, the, the card makers so that consumers don't know? 10% isn't a huge difference, but it's enough it's, to sort It's of a difference between tiers of cards, yeah. in my opinion. Like, to me, I would have liked it better if the base class cards were just called 5600 and the faster cards were called 5600 XT. That would make a lot more sense to me. Yeah. But since they had already announced the 5600 XT at the slower speeds... I mean, this is what we get now. It's very confusing. <laughs> it just get a like, Sapphire Pulse. <laughs> yeah, get a Sapphire Pulse, but it feels like it's almost like they need to put like stickers on the boxes. Which yep, we is, talked about that last week yeah, too. <laughs> so, but just to say the memory speed—that's yeah. It makes a big difference. I actually have a couple cards in from XFX right now that just came in. Uh, Fifty-six hundred XT. I believe they only have the faster GPU clocks and not the memory clocks. 
So mm. I'm hoping to test and review those next week, and then we'll know for sure how much of a difference only having the GPU clock increase will make versus having the GPU clock increase and the memory card increase, memory speed increase. So hopefully we'll have more clarity into that next week. Wow. Do you think, Let's though, smart. I, I, it just feels like maybe, I don't know, there's, there's no way they would never not mess with each other, but this is one of those fallouts from... I've never seen anything like this. I was saying that last week. Yeah, this is way too messy. I've never seen anything like this. It's way too confusing for consumers. I think AMD really dropped the ball here on what is actually a really good graphics card. Like, I like the graphics card, but it's just so confusing, messed up. Like, I'm reviewing the, it's right here, actually, the EVGA 2060KO, their new $300 version. And in in the conclusion, I'm going to say, I mean, the 5600 XT is a worthy consideration, but with this, you don't have to worry about BIOS crap. You get ray tracing for an extra 10 bucks. I mean, if you don't want to deal with all that headache, just spend the extra 10 bucks on this rather than trying to wade through all the 5600 XT garbage. Hmm. Wow. Would you, so you would give the 2060 the edge, KO only, or just in general 2060s? Uh, $300 models. So the KO, spoiler alert, I guess, for my upcoming review. Uh, the KO is 300 bucks. Uh, I also have the KO Ultra via BIOS update. That's an extra 20 bucks for a slight overclock. I wouldn't recommend that. I think $300 for the base version is good. And the Founders Edition also got a drop to 300 bucks, and it's oh. still in stock. So for 300 bucks, I would much rather get a 2060 than a 5600 XT just to avoid all that confusion. Oh, boy. That is bad. Huh. Yeah. But like I said, if you're in North America and you can buy the Sapphire Pulse specifically, it's worth it for 290 bucks. But beyond that, it's a mess. It's just as messy as we feared it would be. And it's gotten good because you, you, you both discussed it heavily, or you three discussed it heavily last week, so it's, it's gotten actually worse in... in since last week well last week we weren't really sure what was going on amd didn't actually say much about the situation to reviewers beforehand they're just like here here's this faster bios uh the original specs are still our reference specs and that's the extent of it so we're like i think this means that there will be slower models still available and then looking through it was we didn't we weren't sure what was happening now we do and it's the worst case scenario that we feared do you think that they just simply did not expect NVIDIA to cut the twenty sixty to three hundred bucks. I mean, that's a that must be it. That's a pretty big price cut, right? I mean, I don't know what, what were the twenty sixty. It is for? a pretty big price cut, but we were saying this last week. I think they, to me, it was the only reasonable move for NVIDIA to make because the sixteen sixty super for two hundred thirty bucks already basically made the sixteen sixty Ti that AMD compares. The 5600 XT2, obsolete. You already shouldn't get a 1660 Ti because you should just get a 1660 Super if you're looking for that. So the only way AMD, uh, NVIDIA had to really compete was to cut the price on the 2060. And the card is a year and a half old at this point. So shave an extra 50 bucks off there, whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. It, uh, so, so to me, they should have seen it coming. It was interesting because I looked at some of the comments on uh, last week's episode and there was at least one person who said something like, how would you anticipate a $50 price cut? Because, I mean, that is a bigger price cut than I think most people would anticipate out of NVIDIA. But I agree with Brad where it just seems a little strange that AMD would at least have considered the possibility when, you know, planning for all of this. 
Well, if he, if the, if they could go back in time and the cards all came out with the the hotter BIOS, yep, hotter clock memory. If they were all simply qualified to run with the higher speed memory, would it would it have changed your and and? Oh yeah, it's great. Then it would have it's been great. They all would have been like the Sapphire card, and it would still would have been worthy of considering as an right. Yeah, it would be the best 1080p graphics card if you could say that flat out across the board for them, which you can't even come close. Yeah, and the big problem is the memory. They can't really qualify. So my question is, looking at this entire kind of debacle, is, I mean, can we just expect going forward that card makers will eventually clear the shelves and just go with the faster memory version? Because if that's the case, it's going to make it really hard for people who are on the fence about buying now versus later to decide if they are going to actually go that route. Like, I'm now. not sure. Uh, I've heard, and I've seen other sites say they've heard the same thing, that they're getting pretty close to margins. They're not making a lot of money on these cards. Uh, and so to get to start selling memory at faster speeds and, as M as I was saying build up beefier cooling designs to be able to handle those faster speeds and hotter temperatures. Uh, I don't know how widespread we're going to see that be. I I would suspect that we're going to see a wide range throughout the life of this thing. <laughs> That's, That's my guess. That's a mess. Um, and once you start getting into those beefier cooler designs to support you know, these faster speeds and different features, uh, Pulse, I think, is an amazing value because it's only $10 extra. But if you start looking up like Asus is doing a Strix top, I believe it's called, they're going to be rolling out with the faster speeds. MSI is also going to do a higher-end version, and their top-end version is going to have the overclock and the faster speeds on the memory. Uh, I suspect those will be up at $300 plus, at which point you're going to have to have a real good reason to buy that particular model over $300 2060, in my opinion. Because mm. uh, 2060 does ray tracing. I mean, it's entry level, but it's still ray tracing. Yeah. Uh, See, money on uh, on Discord is asking uh, a question: which is which is worse, uh, AMD's launch of the fifty six hundred XT and the whole BIOS shenanigans, or Nvidia releasing uh, hardware baked into their cards that very little games have actually uh, used and charged us more for it. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, AMD's uh, bioshenigans are utter garbage. Uh, Nvidia launching the RTX 20 series at the same price for performance in traditional games as the 10 GTX 10 series was also garbage. They're both crap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> since then, uh, the pricing for the RTX series has come down a bit. It's a little less egregious, but they can both be awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for Gordon's response. No, because I, <laughs> I feel like that question was meant to try, try to get him on one of his rants. I'm just wondering if we should try to that because that really brings up the next segment. I think, but I don't know if you want to move uh, off no, of this. It does. Yeah, is, to, is there yeah. anything else for uh, for 5600 XT? I, I put a link to the article uh, in the description. Uh, it's it's a, a nice article. Just buyer beware. There are there are good ones out there, but you need to do your homework, right? It's funny, going through writing that thing, I expected it to be like 600 words. I wound up being close to 2,000, and I had to do multiple different sections, and then I'd explain one thing, and then I'd have to start the next section. Mm. But wait, then there's the next step you got to worry. Mm. And then, But wait, and then you got to consider this. And then, But wait, once you figure that all out, then you have to figure out if you have the new V-BIOS, and it was just... 
just a mess. Hmm. Disappointing. It might be closer to how Intel basically sold two 10th generation laptop CPUs at the same time that were completely that, different, right? And they're both 10th gen and nobody that's also garbage. model numbers. <laughs> you make it sound like it's in the far distant past, Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> so you make it sound like it's in the far distant past, but yeah. it's not. Well, but, you know, it really, to me, a lot of people didn't understand the reasons for it. There's probably a lot of business reasons mm-hmm. for it. They just simply don't have enough 10 nanometer parts, but... It wasn't fun, right? It really was for consumers to try to understand it, for us to try to explain to people it was a mess. It, but- I just, I want competition. I want Intel to have kick-ass parts. I want NVIDIA and AMD to have kick-ass parts. I want them all to beat each other up because then we'll get cheaper kick-ass parts. But to me, people need to know what they're getting, and they don't with this launch, and they don't with the Intel 10th gen necessarily unless they do a lot of homework either. Yeah, you got to do your homework. Um, but, yeah, we, you know, as we know, we want competition in hardware, but not in our software game stores. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please don't bring that up. Please, please don't bring that up. I can't let that go. Okay. Oh, uh, neither can the chat. Uh. <laughs> but I, I'm going to use that to... Here's the thing. So I've been running a social experiment oh, on Adam. He plays go. games at home. So, of course... Uh, uh, we loaned him a, a 1080 Ti card that was in the lab, and Adam was using it, you know, because, you know, as we know, the 1080 Ti was the greatest implement ever given to, to humans, as Patton said. So I also later then said, hey, Adam, we just got this 2070 Super in. Why don't you see what you think of this? So he had the 1080 Ti. Is that wait? May no wait. This is different. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's it's close, but uh, I think at some point I don't remember which episode you said. Uh, you know, which would you rather have if you if you could only pick one? You had. I, I think you were like, oh, I'm going to give you a mythical six hundred dollars or right. something like that. Six fifty. Yeah. Which which would you rather have a, a high refresh rate monitor uh, or an RTX uh, card? Uh, I think that was the original thing that kicked it off. Right? So you've been uh, living this lifestyle now. He only has one gaming machine at home, so he's had to pick what GPU to run and what monitor to run. What? What? Uh, so what have you decided between RTX versus 1080 high refresh versus higher res? Uh, well, l- let me. It was it was kind of a journey. Let me take you on a little journey here, uh, oh, and please, please, please be uh be be kind to me. Uh, the I I still have a headache, and uh, <laughs> and I know you know. We'll see how this path goes. Uh, I will say, um, I you know I originally at home was was on a uh, 1070 with a 4K monitor. Usually couldn't push the games with 4K, obviously, so I would kind of res down anyway uh you know got the 1080 ti and was like oh okay cool i can actually start playing some stuff in 4k uh which was nice um but yeah then then uh i played through most of i mean i played through most of uh metro most of control without ray tracing uh great games great games but then halfway through control uh gordon you know uh, hoisted this experiment on me so uh i had the the 2070 super and then um i will say i will say things changed <laughs> the num- number one number one control is already like <clears throat> like one of my favorite games of all time like i i just absolutely adored control and then adding the ray tracing on top of it 
made it even better. Made it that much better. I, it's not like I was enjoying the game uh, um, more. I mean, I guess I was. I was just I was able to appreciate it. I was able to soak it in. And honestly, for me, uh, it wasn't as much about the reflections. Uh, it was actually more the lighting. Uh, the, the way the, the lighting model was, you know, uh, more real, more realistically portrayed, which I, and maybe that's one of those things I noticed because, you know, I'm in video, like I noticed the lighting and when like, oh, wow, that doesn't really make sense. Uh, so seeing it here makes sense, made sense, uh, and really helped me enjoy the game. And I actually went back, I only had like a couple hours left in Metro and ended up playing with the ray tracing as well and was like, oh, wow, the, the lighting it makes a huge, uh, huge impact on there. Um, and so I was uh, running benchmarks of Metro last week and I was testing both ray tracing on and off and ray tracing makes such a huge difference in that game. It really does. It really does. So, you know, illumination. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, damn this. I mean, especially, you know, I don't know how I, how, how I would have felt if it wasn't for control. I mean, like I said, control, I was already just one of my favorite games of all time. And then you, you added that extra layer on top of it. and I was able to enjoy it. But then after that, um, you know, I, I took home uh, a couple uh, high refresh rate monitors, uh, <laughs> which other side note, and I think I talked about this on the other episode. Um, the first one I had was a 1080p um, uh, 200 something hertz, 240 hertz, I think it was. Uh, and and I, I can't do 1080p. I, just, I can't. Coming from 4K especially, can't do 1080p. Uh, later I brought home a 1440p, 144 hertz. And now I'm saying, wow, that's, that's a sweet spot. Like 1440p, I was like, wow, you know... I, I, I was already using scaling at the system level on my 4K monitor to what was equivalent to 1440p anyway. Uh, so 1440p, side note, my sweet spot for monitors. <laughs> I think if I were ever to get another monitor, 1440p was uh, would be good. Uh, anyway, and then I started running games. Um, I talked about this a little bit in the wrap-up. The monitor we have only it was free sync but it only enabled between 30 and 90 hertz i think so most of the games if i wanted to go up to 144 hertz i wasn't using free sync i would have had to still use v-sync or, or just deal with the screen tearing uh so that was kind of annoying um, that's the thing with uh people dump on g-sync but it's it's consistent whereas free sync isn't so but it's free yeah <laughs> <laughs> nothing in, in life is free gordon so uh but you know it was like that was the first time i mean i i've always been a console gamer uh and so you know i've always been locked to to 60 or, or a smooth 30 uh you know and then on my 4k monitor it was always 60 uh so i had never experienced you know just normal true gaming uh at high refresh rates i mean not only did i play some older games i i played it through all of um uh the new uh, call of duty uh, at, at higher uh at the the higher refresh rates you know which shooters you can definitely you can you can feel it um and there was a, a and and so i was like okay you know it, it's cool but i i still i still was reeling from the enjoyment of rtx on on control that i was like ah, i think at the at the end i'm you know i'm gonna say i i, I would probably go for the rtx card but then uh, a curveball happened we went to ces and, in, and Nvidia had that uh, that that 360 hertz panel demo. 
uh, which oh. if if you didn't, oh, they got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, and it's real, Brad. They, well, they well yeah. So originally, we saw the the three hundred and six years panel at Asus's booth. They they had um, I'm sorry, what was that website? Um, Blurbusters. Yeah, Blurbusters. Right? Yeah, Blurbusters. They created a demo. Uh, I think I think it was Dota two scrolling past, and you, you can see it. And I was like, eh, I've seen stuff like that before. Didn't sell me. But then uh, when we went to the NVIDIA appointment a couple days later, they had these three specific demos. Uh, one of them was to, uh, there was a guy in um, CSGO, like, j- jumping across a little alleyway. It's a famous alleyway, but I'm going to see CSGO yeah, player. Yeah, so. one of the dust maps. Yeah. Uh, and they were like, hey, you, you have 10 shots t- uh, to hit the guy jumping across. Uh, and first they, they gave it to us at 60 hertz. Was it 60? Yeah. Was it the first one? Yeah. And then the, the second one was at 360. And all of us, we all tried it, right? Did you, did you try that one? Yeah. yeah. And I sucked at it. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think any of us got just one shot. It was like, I mean, you know, you're, you're talking about a couple frames, you know, so your reaction time yeah, just wouldn't do it. Then we switched over to the, the, the 360 hertz panel. Uh, and wow, we were getting almost 10. Like, you know, just like, like it was crazy because you could just see more frames of animation in that same amount of time in a way that you could respond to and actually end up hitting the person. And, and there was a couple other demos, but I, I was just like, wow, that's the first time I've ever seen a tangible difference other than, other than just the feel of it. It's, it's smooth, it's fluid, high refresh rate feels nice. But like that was a, a tangible benefit, and I was just like, "Wow, that that demo, good on on Nvidia for setting up that demo because that was a that was a pretty cool demo." Uh, so yeah, you know, coming into this, I was like, "Oh man, uh, that's <laughs> yeah." You know, now I've had I've I've had a lot of experiences in the past nine months, six months or so. But I think at, at the end of the day, if I were to sit down, and who knows, this is all theoretical, right? I'm not actually spending my own money. I'm not actually making this this decision. But if I were to think back on the experiences I had with both and which one I would have missed less, uh, I, I would miss the RTX. Uh, the, the having that in control and then, huh. and then having it uh, in going back into the... Um, uh, you know the the few other games that had it. You know, and and I understand it's only a few. I was just like, I was like, wow. I, I'm, and I, this might be sacrilege. I'm I'm okay with sixty. I'm I'm okay with sixty. You know, and and if the game is right, I'm even okay with the smooth thirty. I I know that's probably going to make a lot of people cringe. But what res? So you do fourteen forty. I, yeah, fourteen forty p. Fourteen forty. Yeah, it would it would be that at, at, at 60. sixty. You know, it's just like it's one of those things where the the added frame rate was nice. It was a, a smoother experience, but maybe it's just because I grew up always playing at sixty or or thirty. You know, and and just that it's just it's, it's a warm blanket. It's just, it just feels okay. It doesn't like make me cringe. Uh, you know that. The way that I understand uh, that some PC people don't. I'm sorry, and I'm I can't see that's, the chat right now because I'm trying to talk, and I'm sure everyone's <laughs> screaming, <laughs> screaming. That's at actually me. I brought up something like that once on here, and I think I got crap from the chat for it too because I know definitely one. I think two people who don't mind spending a little bit less on a graphics card, locking it everything to ultra or very high to get the best possible graphics and then just playing at 30 frames per second because to them they were grew up on consoles so they're used to the slower frames if they get a smooth 30 but all the maximum potential eye candy that the pcs offer that consoles don't 
they're very happy with that. Well, and that's the thing, you know, I, I would always fight with my 4K panel in 1070, you know, at, at either down res or, yeah, I would have to turn off the eye candy. And and I I, I like the eye candy. I, I like being able to push these big environments and, and seeing all, all the cool yeah. stuff. Uh, but then also, you know, to, to the same token, I, I remember when uh, Brad, you had actually recommended when, when I was having the whole free sync issue, you were like, oh, we'll just, just put it on 90 and just lock it there uh, so that, you know that you can go there and it actually that that was nice in a couple ways because number one i was able to use the free sync uh number two it actually felt good to know that i was in a locked 90 rather than when i had it unlocked it you know up to 144 hertz not every game was hitting that so it was kind of fluctuating and, and i i actually realized that that i i i would prefer a stable solid 60 with a lot of eye candy than having the potential of going to 144 hertz because also the, the demo at ces was awesome but i'm not a competitive player i'm not i'm not sitting there you know every night you know playing competitively so like yeah so yes i see the 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 impact and how important it is but not for me uh, uh, so i gotta say i was not expecting the ending that we got from how you told the story <laughs> yeah it was, it was a little bit of a ride uh, i'll also say you know and uh, yeah sure there's not that many games for it but the one game, you know, like, you know, it probably would have turned out different for Control, but Control definitely made it for me. Uh, also, some, in our Discord, uh, they were talking about, um, I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was, it was talking about uh, Path Traced Audio and had put uh, a link to a, to a video of some guy way above my level talking about implementing uh, audio, uh, real-time audio um like uh, spatialization using uh, ray tracing technology, and I mean, as an audio person, I'm like hell yeah. Get, I would I would buy a card now to you know to if that ensured that that future would come. Uh, Don't hold out hopes on that though. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm not. But it's one of those things where it's like, oh damn, I would be yeah. That's you know, I'm I'm such a big audio nerd that that I would totally be an early adopter just to help bring that to to market. Uh, AMD and NVIDIA have actually both tried to put spatialized audio stuff for at least five years now, specialty stuff, into their graphics cards, and just nobody supports it. Yeah, and it's it's the classic developers don't have time to... No. They're never going to add more for audio because, you know, the the old saying is you make the audio better and people say the game looks better. Or <laughs> movie is the, is the classic uh, test. Yeah. So it's... it's so I, it's, us- I usually tell people that... Once you've gotten high refresh rate, you can't go back. But I guess I guess I'm wrong. Adam's going the other way. It sounds like. Yeah, I'm. You know, like now that I'm 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 back to to a, a smooth sixty, a stable sixty. Like I, it feels okay. I don't. You know, like I mean, because I I do game on a console on my TV. I I, I play on the Switch. I've been playing The Witcher three on my Switch. Which barely oh. can hit thirty, but because it's such a good game, like actually, I have been enjoying it. Uh, yeah, you know, action, Brad. <laughs> it is bad. It is ugly. Oh, so it, it runs. Oh boy, real Adam, bad. Are you saying if you went back to Adam of October late ninth, twenty eighteen? Is that when RTX first launched? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. If you go. If yep. You went back to talk to that Adam. You would tell that Adam to listen to Elena. And buy the 1080 uh, Ti <laughs> as well as everybody else. For or would you listen to two hundred dollars cheaper? <laughs> well, I'm you just saying that part. 
If you could go back in time, if you had bought a card, would you say, I was listening to this podcast and I heard her say this is a good price? Why am I Bill Clinton now? I don't know. That's easy. And this other person was saying, do this. Which would you, what would you tell that Adam? He just wants to hear a very specific thing, Adam. Keep that in mind. uh, I'll, I'll look. Would you would you go back in time and say I heard Steve Gamers Nexus and Elena PC World were saying buy the NTI or this a hole Gordon was buying saying buy the RTX? I didn't actually say that, but I'm just saying. What would you? I I would say get excited for control. Oh okay. yeah yeah because I mean oh yeah politicians answer well <laughs> yeah. done yeah I mean control like the like I said that that's that's what sold it and you know what maybe, maybe that's all it takes is is. Uh, for you know, for ray tracing to really pick up is to to get sold on that one experience. It's almost like VR, right? I'm, it's like I, I remember actually, my first VR experience where I was just like completely sold in on it. Sorry, I'm Brad. actually curious to see. No words. I thought you were done. Sorry, I can't see you, so I can't try yeah, to yeah. mind that. <laughs> uh, I'm curious to see if ray tracing picks up some uh, with Cyberpunk coming out next mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. because around that time it just got pushed back to September, I think. And I would expect NVIDIA's next generation cards to be out around then. So I'm curious to see if ray tracing becomes a much bigger thing, specifically because Cyberpunk's going to have it. Because Cyberpunk's the game everyone's waiting for. Oh, right? Wait, right? I thought yeah. it was September this year. It's, it's September, September, September this year. This year. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. It's, my head is still 2019. Also, <laughs> I, I think, you know, the, the general sentiment, over the past, you know, couple months, as as we've been talking about other GPU releases and stuff like that, I think a lot of people are are understanding that hey, there's rumors and stuff of a, a three thousand series coming out, you know, and and this is this is just you know this is just first gen ray tracing. Hopefully, in three thousand series, they'll not only will they push traditional game performance, but also the the ray tracing performance will be increased too. And I, I you know I, I think the pendulum will swing you know this way and that way but i i like i prefer you know like gordon you know and i would say in gordon's defense i think you've always argued that this is the future and we should be pushing for it and buying into it and i well no you should support other people buying into it so it's cheaper for you it's true yeah i think that's what i don't understand the people are angry (laughs) about but but yes i i think uh I think I, you know, I'm 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 in that same boat. Like, I, you know, some pe- some people need to be at the cutting edge, uh, and just you know want to to try out the the newest craziest thing. I mean, that that's kind of what we do when we review stuff, right? Is that, you know, hey, we'll, we'll get stuff before the general public can get it, and there is something you know interesting to to get it, try it out, and then let people know how it is. Yeah, uh, I'm actually. It makes here. a lot more sense now, I think, because it's a year and a half plus later <laughs> yeah when they first came out i mean even still there were six games i think with ray tracing at the end of last year this month both wolfenstein and i think bring me to the moon take me to the moon came out with it doom Eternal's gonna have it cyberpunk's gonna have it now that's been a couple years it makes more sense to buy in now i think yeah and you know i think it'll be interesting because I, I do want to point out if people rewind it's is committed to the internet it will be there forever brad is the one who said you don't need to buy this now. Wait for second gen. Yep. That was actually mm-hmm. Brad's original thing yep. way back when it launched because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you, you, you never want to be on the bleeding edge unless you want to bleed. And some people enjoy the bleeding. Yep. So I never could understand why people got so angry at some people wanting to throw themselves at new technology. That's always been sort of what happens on the PC, people throwing themselves at it. So I, I couldn't understand that anger. But, you know, I am. 
NVIDIA really lucked out with the companies that it threw dollars behind because the two games that Adam's talking about, Metro Exodus Control, are easily two of the top five games of last year. And they are by far the best implementations of ray tracing yet. Mm. So they're great games with great implementations. So NVIDIA really lucked out with that. So. Well, and even even though it was a very, very small portion of it, the, the realistic lighting on some of the shadows in... Um uh, Call of Duty was I, I appreciated. Like it, you could tell the difference when you stopped and looked at it. Uh, which you know, I do, but I do want to bring this up though because one thing we won't know is how the first gen cards perform if there is a second gen card coming out uh, this year. So, like, say you have a, a new three thousand series GeForce card, it's like holy smokes, it's just so much faster. And the original cards, if they don't age well, it's like if they just sort of like, oh, these things just stink could because happen. they are so slow next to these new cards. Could happen. It could happen. I'm I'm very interested because I think, yeah, then you'll have the haters that will go like, see, you shouldn't have bought it. You should have waited for the second gen parts, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I do see that like. I hope it happens. Well, it, and it has happened in the past. It has, mm-hmm. you know, DirectX 8, there's definitely plenty of things where you you screw yourself buying the first-gen part, but that's sort of, I think, accepted. But I think if you're a first-gen adopter, that factors into your decision. You don't go into thinking, I'm going to have the best thing that's going to dominate even as successive generations come out. The point of having it first is having it first. Yeah, but I still, as as being, being the hater, if I get to pretend to be the hater on the <laughs> internet, and then I get to make fun of people who bought the first-gen part. <laughs> you know, that's sort of, uh, Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> and I do have one last. I, I'm still not. I'm still not sure that ray tracing. I think it is going to pick up this year. Both between, I think Nvidia. I'm pretty sure Nvidia is going to have next gen parts. Uh, Lisa Sue from AMD came out and said, "Hey, we're going to start seeing ray tracing in Radeon cards this year, and the consoles are getting it. So I think it's going to start picking up. I still don't think it's going to hit like mass market like." Every game's going to have ray tracing necessarily this year. No, no. So I think you still got time to figure out whether or not you want to buy in. Yeah, four years, several years, because it'll mm-hmm. take, it's never going to be a mainstream thing, but triple A games that have it. Yeah. Then you're, mm-hmm. you feel bad not having to be able to turn on that feature. And once consoles get those ray tracing capabilities, that means developers are going to have much more incentive to start making ray trace games. So I think we're going to see more in 2021 mm-hmm. once you know ubisoft and activision starts putting out all their games for consoles with ray tracing hey last question on monitors though um adam yeah what's up so to me because i always wanted to get one of these but i can't let go of my 1610 panel but the you know the 27 inch 1440p panels with g-sync hardware so the original actual g-sync hardware and 165 hertz ips so works somewhat for content creation more than a you know sort of high refresh would you consider that i mean how, that how seems much? like well there's still 600 brand new <laughs> but if you're buying them used and they've got a plenty of these dinged up ones in the amazon warehouse they're down to 400 dollars. i'm like i'm because i really i really should just let go of my stupid you know 30 inch panel and i i mean i i like i like bigger uh monitors as well like 32 inch like would be yeah Right, <laughs> that'd be cool, but yeah, they just don't make that many of the the big ones with all the bells and whistles. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm fine with a 27 inch 1440p. Uh, yeah, yeah, but would you do 1440p and plus you get hardware G Sync with 165 hertz? Is that 
I mean, the G-Sync would be nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, that, that price isn't too bad. It's definitely going down. Yeah, because uh, you basically have that same panel, it feels like, but without the, the hardware. Uh, it's right now. It, it, it's free sync, yeah. Well, and it's 144 hertz. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All I'm going to say I mean, we're talking about... I was going to say, uh, all I'm going to say is uh, where I sit, and you all know how I tend to be more of a buy and wait till it's on sale, you could just wait, get a, get a nice new monitor like this, and then pair it with a second gen RTX card, and then you can have everything you want. <laughs> yeah, your one big purchase a year or whatever. That's why. That's how I actually upgrade my PCs. I buy one nice thing a year, and next year I'll buy one more nice thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Elena, I can't because I was listening to this uh, YouTube, and they said buy the 1080 Ti. It's the best thing ever. I already spent six hundred fifty dollars in video card. I can't buy a new card now. And you know what? You're loving your video card. It still kicks it's all kinds of ass. But how does that? How does that? You know, <laughs> that advice was also given how long ago on the internet, Gordon? <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, but still. Times change. Times change, but I. Days move uh, on. I, there was also advice at the time, like, yeah, you should look look to the future if you want to. I would, I, <laughs> I just, again, my argument was like, it's just not a good investment. But look, $380 for these things. Actually, you know used. what I, I'd be more interested or I'd be interested in too was uh, uh, if, it, if it's an ultra wide. You know, because it's like. Are nice. Yeah, yeah. Because mm. then, because I'm, I'm fine at 60. But, you know, if I can get even more, yep. I, don't, I just don't know how many games like actually natively support Ultroid anyway. So, well, I think all the modern games too. All I'm saying is, Gordon, that you could have started with a 1080 Ti, then gotten a, an upgrade to your monitor, and then eventually, when it's time to replace that 1080 Ti, then you could get the RTX card. Hmm. Would it, but I wouldn't be able to have played those games for two years, though. Wouldn't that? Isn't you could that have played of, the games. No, I mean, but not without, like, Adam is saying if he didn't have control, he'd. With the with the reflections on, he'd he'd cry. I think seeing her. <laughs> that was exactly what I said. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe some people are just not moved in the same ways as Adam is. <laughs> it's this thing where we're all different people, and it's possible for us to have different reactions. Hey, I'm just saying. My advice is like, look, you've got a 980. Just sit on that thing for another two years. <laughs> 980 for another two years. <laughs> if you had a 980, why would you buy a 1080 Ti? For ninety percent of its full retail value, <laughs> never said that. Yeah, That's what I said. I go know. back and look at the videotape. <laughs> go, go back and look at the tape. Go back and look at the tape. Two generations, I'll man. Go pull the tapes. Uh, okay. I, I just want to. It's a total aside, but since you mentioned widescreen gaming, yeah. uh, for people who are interested in it but might not know, there are two excellent resources for anybody who wants to get into widescreen gaming. One's WSGF Widescreen Gaming Forum. They keep on tr- on top of all those games and do compatibility tests and stuff. And so does it's called PC Gaming Wiki. They're both great. Go check them out. Mm, That's awesome. it. Just want to give them both shout outs because they're excellent. And they deserve more attention. Those, but those widescreen nice. panels are not really. They're they basically cut off the top and the bottom that you would get on a normal panel. Though some of them, right? Well, no, I thought it's it's twenty five sixty by fourteen forty, but you're you're adding more pixels on the side. It should be more like a yeah. multi monitor yeah. setup. The fourteen forty ones, yeah, yeah. I guess a little bit. I just want something bigger, like 36-inch 4K would be nice, I think. Who I have two 28-inch 4K panels right here, and I think I would like them at 30 to 32, but yeah. 36 inches right here, yeah. I feel like I was like, it's that, a, is it live or is it Memorex yeah. kind of thing? I honestly feel like 30 is the sweet spot for 4K, because I have a 27-inch 4K, and it gets a little, ooh, the scaling is a little woo sometimes, um, but I also have a 32 
uh, it's a 1440, but that, that uh, doesn't really matter for my purpose here that I'm explaining where it's, I, I put it right here. It's like maybe a foot and a half away from my face. It's really hard to take everything in that 32 inches. I can't mm-hmm. imagine what 36 would be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I but have 4K. To back, I have to back up off of that. Well, so the thing is, I run some serious hardware to, though, to push I, that. For work, I'm running three panels. If I could just basically get one gigantic desktop in front of me. <laughs> There's that Samsung one. The one that's like... Yeah, but see, the Samsung yeah, is, man. was wide. The, yeah. the Samsung was curved, and it was sort of like wide aspect ratio. What I want is more vertical space. And we sort of saw, I think... Um, well, there's also Asus that Samsung those. TV that you can hit the button, and it goes vertical now. Wow. So you can just get, put one of those on your desk. Yeah, that's not going <laughs> to... For me, I, it would not work that's for garbage. desktop use. Yeah. Gordon just wants to be hidden from all of us behind a gigantic panel. Yeah, pretty much. Well, Ish. we're talking about you know panel sizes and ray tracing and high refresh rates but really the real answer to this in any gaming monitor question is just make sure it has free sync or g-sync <laughs> or g-sync compatible no i don't even know what that means <laughs> aka free sync yeah they i really wish they would label them as g-sync compatible slash free sync but they don't but that's the real must have to me yeah uh, well, my my journey's over. I'm going to have to find a new journey. Uh, I don't know, man. Well, you're still on. in the Steam Controller journey. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I picked up the Steam Controller journey. I, I haven't been able to play as much as I wanted to, but I actually have it here. It's on the, the desk. I know that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Actually, spoilers. I've been liking it. <laughs> so. The controller? Yeah. Oh, I love the Steam Controller. Yeah. Like, for a non-controller person, you can yeah. I can use it as a... As a controller. Even for a controller person like me. Um, yeah. We should get some questions uh, before yeah. we have to run out of here. Uh, are we ready for some uh, some questions? Let's do it. Uh, we got some, some old ones backed up um, that I want to get to. Uh, Duke Nukem. Mr. Duke Nukem has written into the show. <laughs> I, I, oh. I feel honored. I'm just going to say that. Uh, He's all out of questions. And I'm all out of questions. Uh, I'm still rocking my AMD 1090T in a Cooler Master CM692 case, which to my knowledge has room for eight or nine case fans. Uh, Looking to build Ryzen in the future. uh, The question is... um, there are not many, but there are open showcase cases like a Thermaltake P3 actually okay for a long time gaming PC. Are, are the open cases okay for for uh, gaming PCs uh, or with an overclock system that I could pot- potentially see high VRM chipset temps since there is theoretically no airflow in the system? Open air cases. What do we think? I, I'm fine with that. I do plenty of testing on them. I, they, most of those open test beds, you know, uh, high-speed labs and all those, there's a really nice one I have with that. I can't remember who made it, but you, they have fans in the, cha- in the chassis that at least move aero, aero the VRMs because you're usually running water. So you still have to have some airflow, although it's going to be better than a case. I think they're fine. The only real risk, I think, in an, in a non, in an actual live experience is you spill something or drop something on the top of your case, you're usually okay. You spill something or drop something into your open case where the board is just exposed, is you ain't going to make it, I bet. Yeah. I also, this one, like, Thermaltake has a cool one that I always wanted to get one and mount it on the wall. Yeah, I remember that one. I think it was, came out, like, what, Computex a couple years ago? Yeah. Yeah, I showed it at CES. I would say the only danger to open air is what Gordon said, but I feel like most people aren't going to have it on the floor anyway because it's kind of a showpiece. For me, the the bigger danger is like if you live somewhere with a lot of dust or uh, pet hair. Yep. 
Yeah, but this is easier to clean out. If he's worried about his overclocks, or he or she, uh, he, I guess, because it's Duke. Duke. Uh, <laughs> Uh, whatever you're using to overclock it to keep it cool anyway, I mean, you're either going to be using a big badass air cooler or a liquid cooler, and that'll take care of the heat anyway. And if you're using a graphics card, it'll still expel it out. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about heating. Yeah. The, Unless the... you're doing real crazy, like, upper edge, like, crazy-ass overclocking, I mean, it might be worth it to get a case and put, put a bunch of pans on it. But for normal people, it'll be okay. And please do upgrade that. 1090 t <laughs> yeah a lot a, well the, it sounds like they're going to a ryzen system they, they had a follow-up question about uh the 3600 and if if you think that's going to last for for a while or if it could potentially bottleneck uh gpus in the future but i mean yeah it's probably gonna be fine right it'll depends be fine. yeah it'll be fine mostly but we'll see what we get out of if if the next gen amd parts and nvidia parts are just sort of like off the hook then you're going to look at like, oh, I really wish I had car clocks, right? Could put, could uh, I mean, you're not seeing that much of a difference between 3600T and, or 3600 and 3900X performance or whatever. Or like, an i9 as far as gaming 5 gigahertz, though? I would not worry about it being a bottleneck to the point where you should overly worry yeah. about it. Yeah, I agree with Brad. You won't feel it as a normal <laughs> person, but yeah, you may not get the same performance if those next cards are just stupidly fast though from versus a high clock part but you it doesn't really matter don't worry about it uh and then last one from duke newcomb uh and then i'm going to cut him off no more questions uh for a bit uh the uh their sister uh just had a stroke at age 45 uh sorry to hear about that um she does web design uh and she's looking for a new uh thing to do it on would you recommend a surface pro or an ipad pro 11 inch i think i know what gordon's gonna say surface pro or the ipad pro 11 inch uh she uses a windows laptop currently but has used macbooks uh in the past and has an iphone yeah, so I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna traditionally lean towards full service OS devices, which would be MacBook or or Surface, because you're getting yeah. you're getting you're getting all the power and features and granularity that a that a PC gives you or yeah. Mac. Uh, iOS, though, I think the argument might be if because they may have uh, better support. Oh. She's she's if she's had a stroke, maybe she has issues with mobility or something. It's possible the iPad could actually be better depending on the mobility and the applications she's going to use. But generally, you know, a real computer, which is, you know, a Mac or a PC is going to be better. I, I think for especially a web developer because you're doing. Wait, she's a web developer or graphic design? Is it a graphic uh, designer? Uh, they said they're very different web, things. Web design. Web, web design. design. Okay. That's half and half. Well, web design could be just the actual backend coding. It doesn't necessarily have to be like UI, UX. Yeah, but still, most of the, it feels like, yeah, most of the tools are going to be on PC, Mac. Right, so I'm just saying, if she's doing more actual coding type stuff, then a full-service PC would be still my recommendation. Yeah. Um, but if it's actually more like UI, UX stuff, then it may be worth looking into what the iPad Pro can do when it, when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, it all depends on if she has limitations. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it sounds like uh, uh, possibly single-handed usability mm. is going to be a limitation. So. Yeah, and the nice thing about the Surface Pro is you know it's a tablet and you have yeah. pen support and everything. So yeah, 
I know Microsoft's been working actually really hard on accessibility type things. So it's just worth looking yeah. into that kind of thing as well, like what they have as their like latest tech for that, mm-hmm. or like software enhancement type things. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's one for uh, Opie from Opius Eleven on Discord. Uh, when will the tech press start talking about environmental impact of the industry, and when will we start highlighting manufacturers that make greener products? Seems like we have that discussion in every uh, every other industry except for tech. If you look at the bigger, broader focused uh, journalism sites that cover stuff like this, I do think you see stuff like that. You'll see coverage about this in CNN, in Wall Street Journal, and places like that. Uh, you also see a lot of uh, specifically recyclability coverage from like iFixit, because that's what you know. That's their whole reason for being here. Uh, it's weird for us because we are interested in that kind of stuff, but we're very product focused. So i don't know (laughs) but uh, to me you do see you do i have seen a lot of coverage in the bigger national newspapers and sites well and actually we had uh what was it hp pre-brief we we actually uh, i didn't get around to talking to the lady but they they had a lady there with um a bunch of uh reusable products that that were for for like backpacks and sleeves and stuff like that she was you talked to her i had a long talk with her she was really trying to get us to do a video, but we didn't have mm-hmm. time, unfortunately. But uh, HP has ocean-bound materials in its uh, the Dragonfly, a lot of its new commercial laptops. What that is, because I'd never heard that term, because I don't pay that close attention to it, but they basically pay people to comb the beaches. It's like, hey, here's a Diet Coke bottle. They pick it up, they put it in a bag. This stuff ends up going to a factory. They recycle that stuff. Instead of it just floating into the ocean, they ocean bound, it ends up being used in their laptops. So they're basically paying people to go pick the stuff up off the beaches to put it into laptops. I just found my retirement job. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, I will say, though, it's a little tough for us because I really feel most people don't want sort of politics sort of integrated into technology talk because it gets everybody nuclear depending on what side you're on. And then also because a lot of what we talk about is very much the desktop which naturally to me means you are an enthusiast. That is such a, that's like a 0.1% of what people are doing in the planet. So when you're talking about your, what's happening with phones and tablets and the billions of those things that are sold, that's, that's has more of an impact on people who build desktops. It's like going out and trying to worry about somebody with their, you know, 67 chevelle and like oh does it get bad gas mods yeah it's a 67 chevelle like it drives like 100 miles a year so i i think it doesn't really compare in that way and my last pitch is and i know people think i'm crazy but i'm going to bring this up i think desktop pcs are the greenest pcs greenest devices there are because you can literally take an atx case from the first day they rolled off in 1997 and upgrade that atx case the power supply might even still work replace most of the parts as they break down whereas you take a a laptop unfortunately laptops have gotten to the point where they are throwaway devices and a phone and a tablet those are disposable electronic devices a desktop you can basically use essentially forever because you can replace components as they break you can service it serviceability is very important a lot of people get way too focused on power consumption on desktops whereas they should really look at well that desktop this person could use for conceivably 20 years 
How many I'm, iPhones I'm, are you going to go through in 20 years? Yeah. Reusing several parts of my PC from my last PCs and the PC before that and like graphics card that I don't use anymore, I give it to other people and they... Yep. Yeah, I mean, it. that's a lot of people in the chat said, like, it, it's it's awesome because the, the reuse, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. G- giving giving yeah. people other stuff or, you know, being able to upgrade old stuff. I mean, the, there's there's plenty of options in this space. Uh, so hopefully yeah. nobody's just taken a, a 1080 ATI and, and throwing it straight in the trash, you know. In the if, ocean. In the, straight <laughs> in the ocean, you know, when they're upgrading their new RTX card. Yeah. I mean, I would say for me, personal opinion is that I don't think it gets enough attention in the areas that it needs more attention because i mean yes new york times is covered washington post you know whatever national outlet in the u.s but it's very it's very periodic and it doesn't seem to actually spur any changes to how we actually handle tablets and laptops and phones which i agree with gordon are the things that uh, are so widespread and there's so many of them and we upgrade them so often that would be more of a problem i would say for what we do in the enthusiast space here a lot of it does undergo the like does go through that cycle of like you know recycle reduce reuse kind of thing right mm-hmm. where my stuff is still so good after a certain point i can give that to my parents i can give that to cousins i can give that and then it gets another five even sometimes 10 years of life out of it yeah i mean you can still core two boxes are perfectly serviceable uh old phenoms like that 1090t perfectly serviceable <clears throat> Try to do that with, you know, a second gen iPad. It's like it's garbage. My right? Nexus 7 is just. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, in fact, you know, it's so I think it's, you know, you will see coverage of it. And often it's it's unfairly cast as my God, look, this gaming computer uses 600 watts. It's like, yeah, come on, like 10 hours a month or 20 hours a month mm-hmm. versus. And then it gets reused. It'll get used forever. So I think there's there's definitely some that should be discussed here. Unless but. you lose all the power cables and you don't know it's modular <laughs> power supplies. It's horrible. Uh, all right. Uh, back to more burning questions. Uh, Zen is asking, uh, when Big Navi finally comes, hashtag wait for Big Navi, uh, do you mm. think it will compete with Touring and or Ampere in the high end? Uh, my gut is telling me. Uh, that it probably will compete with the 2080 Ti. Hmm, really? Uh, the question is whether the 2080 Ti is going to be the card it's going to be competing with whenever it actually comes out. Mm. Because remember that part of the reason that AMD's Navi and RDNA architecture is so good, there's a lot of underlying work done in there too, but part of it was for moving from 12 or 14 nanometer process technology down to 7 nanometer uh, NVIDIA's next-generation cards are very, very likely to make that same jump. And they're already power-efficient on par with Navi. So they're going to be more power-efficient, which gives them more room for either power savings or more performance. So it's all going to depend. It's way too far out. I would expect to get more inklings of stuff like that around the middle of the year. Brad, we need predictions. We don't need. We don't need safe. You know, like I don't know. I predict we will happen. see big Navi in twenty twenty. No. Uh, I, well, on, on top of that, uh, Nithin <laughs> is asking. No. On top of that, uh, Nithin asked earlier. Uh, do we think? Uh, yeah. When when do we predict the RTX cards, uh, the three thousand series coming out? Uh, I think I talked about this on the predictions episode. I think it's going to be this year. My guess would be. Late summer ish, after E three, maybe around Gamescom, uh, because I wouldn't be surprised if Nvidia wants to have a thirty eighty Ti that just smashes all kinds of 
frame rate records and has killer ray tracing performance before the consoles come along with AMD chips inside. That's just my gut pick. But you're but you you do think Big Navi against the 2080 Ti may not be competitive, or it'll compete with the 2080 Ti. It, I, I suspect it'll compete uh, because if you look at uh, the 5700. I forget that I don't have the core counts off the top of my head, but that's not the full-fledged implementation of Navi, If assuming they have the six, same 64 ROP limitations, or not ROPs, core limitations as previous generation AMD stuff. I think it's like 40 is what the 5700 XT tops out at. So if, assuming it'll scale up, I think it'll be very competitive, at least with the 2080 Ti. Uh, and... Lisa Sue just last night in the AMD earnings call said, we'll see a second gen RDNA architecture this year. And she said, we'll see ray tracing this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if all that shows up in big Navi towards the middle of the year. So it's, it's kind of way too early to expect how far it'll go, but I would expect it to possibly beat the 2080 TI. Okay. That's cool. good. At least I, you know, I, we needed, you know, make people for, force their, you know, on the record. Opinions. <laughs> I Always think good. summer. I think uh, Copytex is my hope. Be a big Copytex. Yeah. I think it'll be competitive to an extent. You know, probably. I, it feels like it'll like it'll do something cutthroat with its thirty eighties two or three thousand series and. Yeah. You get because they always whatever AMD puts out a high end card the last four t- three or four times Nvidia does something little just that takes all the wind out of itself <laughs> yeah it feels like yeah I, it'll probably I'm, it feels like they could compete with like sort of mid high end um mm. three three thousand series but when you know Nvidia has this one thing just to wreck everything it feels like that's that will be tough because it may not just make sense to even make anything there you know. For, for it's going to depend. It's going to depend on how heavily AMD leans into ray tracing. It's going to depend because that stuff takes a lot of size on the die. Yeah. So a lot of the 2080 Ti's die is actually ray tracing in tensor cores. If Big Navi uses 90% of that space for traditional game performance instead, then it could very well smash the 2080 Ti. And Going up to the 64-core limitation, that's just previous generation AMD architectures. Navi and RDNA could go beyond that. I think I saw a rumor that it could go up to 80. Uh, It's way too early for rumors to put any stock into that. I haven't heard anything about it. But there's nothing that says it has to top out of 64 cores like Vega did and things before that. How important do you think Halo products are for AMD? Because NVIDIA has always had these super Halo products the last few generations. Mm-hmm. You know, we know most people don't buy them, but it's enough to get everybody excited, and everybody gets like, "Oh, AMD, how come you don't have that? Do they have to do it, or can they just say?" Well, uh, if they weren't important, I don't think they would make a thirty nine ninety X. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Very good point. Uh, a couple more for uh, for Gordon. Um, e Honda seven twenty building a new gaming slash streaming PC. Uh, and wondering if thir- uh, thirty extra thirty dollars is worth it between a thirty seven hundred X and a thirty eight hundred X. Probably not. I mean, it just it just thirty dollars. Well, what does that get you elsewhere? It's sort of thirty eight hundred X. I don't think thirty eight hundred X is kind of a weird one. Yeah, it's a weird part. Uh, yeah, I would probably put thirty dollars toward SSD or or RAM because it gets you a lot closer to a big notch up in either capacity and SSD or RAM. 
or yep. Or I'll tell you, if you invest that in RGB LEDs, <laughs> that might be uh, makes everything go faster. Yes. Yeah, These I mean, I wouldn't do it. 30 bucks is the difference between a 1660 Ti and a 2060 these days. Yeah. So that's the tough part. True. Uh, okay. Then uh, Minos, uh, earlier on YouTube, says uh, they deleted their i5-8600K with liquid, liquid metal for 5 gigahertz, uh, but it's at uh, 1.465 volts. Temps are really good, uh, but is it okay to run that voltage daily without worry? Hmm. I don't know. Any opinions? I I don't know. I'm not. I'm not Steve from Gamers Nexus. I would say. <laughs> Order Bauer. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. You've delitted it, which is the thing. Like, I think you'll be fine until it's not fine. I think just like you sort of cross that line. You you He's can't like. Back. I need to. What am I gonna do? I can I super glue that back if it. <laughs> once you go that far, you, you've obviously given up your odds, your ability to. <laughs> or man well, with Intel. I think, yeah, I think just, it'll be great. Or just for reference, uh, it's a lot it's of not, voltage. It's though. not direct comparison comparison because that's an older generation chip that we're about to talk about. But in December, Tom's hardware had a really cool dive into Intel engineers overclocking lab. And while they were in there, they asked him questions. So we can't get an official answer from Intel you know, how safe is it? What What's the ideal voltage? What should you run these at? Uh, they couldn't get an official answer, but they did ask all the Intel overclocking engineers, what do you feel comfortable running your chips at? And the general consensus seemed to be Coffee Lake and Skylake Epics. They like to top out around 1.4 volts. So 1.46 might be pushing it. Uh, liquid metal might change that, but it sounds like Intel's overclocking engineers try to stick to 1.4 yeah i mean voltage is always the dangerous thing right so yeah that's the thing that ends chips but so. you're but again you know yeah you, it's it's all great until the one day we're like hey <laughs> won't post yeah <laughs> so uh all right uh, a couple more quick ones for brad uh, and then we'll wrap it up um from horaco uh is the 5700 series okay for multimeter setups seriously interested but was putting it off because of reports of about power management issues and black screens uh there were issues in some cards run into it's not necessarily power management issues it's that sometimes the computer would just turn off via dual monitors hooked up uh not sure what caused it i never saw that in my own personal setup which i have a dual monitor setup uh and again that's like somebody was asking last week what's up with the driver issues i haven't seen them the thing with bugs is that they're very sporadic but in any case uh the last two in the last month, AMD released a driver update. It was the one that came out with the 5600 XT, and it's supposed to have taken care of that particular concern, so I wouldn't have any concerns buying a 5700 or 5700 XT for a multi-monitor at this point. Right. Easy. Uh, next one from Styfrex. Uh, first time, long time. Uh, what do we think about AMD deleting Wattman for Vega FE last year uh, and how it compared against the new Navi GPU that they also deleted dual drivers for? FE was always a weird card. It's like a prosumer card, not really made for gamers. And Wattman was a consumer-focused 
you know, software tool that was made for overclocking your consumer cards. I never like companies that take things away that they already provided. I think that's lame. Uh, I don't know too much about that situation, so I can't go that much further into it. But I can understand why they might take that away, because it was never really supposed to work with that. I think it just kind of did, because Vega 64 was essentially the same thing. Okay. Uh, Last one from WTF Shelley. Uh, What's the best new GPU that doesn't require an auxiliary power cable? If you don't need an auxiliary power cable, pretty much your only option at this point is going to be a 1650, not super, just plain 1650. Uh, They won't blow your mind in terms of performance. Uh, They're about 150 bucks, maybe a little bit less on sale. You'll be able to play Overwatch and stuff on them, no problem. Uh, Don't expect to play Witcher 3 at 1440p. But if that's pretty much your only option these days among mainstream GPUs. Cool. Nothing nothing AMD offers is without a power connector at this point. Uh and the 1650 super requires a power connector, so 16 GTX 1650 is the only option. Do you think you could go up maybe a step and just use one of those Molex adapters, you know, the dual the dual 8 or is that just two? I mean, I, I can't imagine sure. a machine not having it. Huh? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I, you just I, may want to look at that. If your power supply may have, you know, spare molds connectors not being used, that's that's a way to get a little more power and go up a go up a step. It, yeah, I, it'll depend a whole lot. If you, uh, People who ask this question are typically asking about big box PCs, like office PCs from Dell or yeah. Best Buy or whatever. And in a lot of those cases, the power supplies don't have a lot of extra wiggle room in them. No. So I hesitate to recommend stuff like that. But if you know what you're doing, you definitely can look into whether or not that's an option. Yeah, but I would definitely <laughs> crack it open and see if there's spare power connectors that you can just use because if you are going to try to use it for gaming and just a little more power gets you to you know a better card, then it might be worth it. If you can get a little bit of extra power, the 1650 Super is a big step up over it. But if you can't, 1650, only game in town. It'll do. It'll do well enough. Hmm, okay. Cool. Let's uh, let's get out of here. All right, Chuck. Uh, are we done? Lunch We're time? done. That's Lunch it. Time. Lunch time. All right. All right. Just sorry, I'm just out of it. I, I'm not even sure when says you know. All right, all right. Here we go. Check back next week for your <laughs> fix of PC talk. All in the full nerd for audio listeners. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Send questions and comments to the full nerd at PC World Time. Dot com and also please leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Every time you do, uh, they come up with a new power supply cable spec. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got nothing. Just last week, was okay. Elena was complimenting how quick you are coming up with these things, but I gotta say that was weak. Yeah, I just that, was, that wasn't one of your better ones. Sorry. <laughs> I just I need something to eat. Yeah, it's, uh, Anthony says you're gonna go get some Subway, right? Yeah, Subway right now. Eat fresh. <laughs> Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Young with Brad Chargas. Adios. Eleni. Bye, everyone. And Adam Patrick Murray will hit the off switch. Go chase some rays. <laughs> <laughs>